Tonight's scripture reading comes from Luke's Gospel, beginning in chapter 1, verse 57. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. Into everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Well, tonight, this sermon will be delivered in a different kind of form. Uh, the sermon form is called a first-person narrative, so you'll hear this sermon from the perspective of somebody in the story. So, I'd like you to meet Elizabeth. Well, thank you for inviting me here tonight. It's so good to be with you. I know. <laughs> You were hoping for Mary. <laughs> Everybody wants Mary, but Mary's busy this time of year. I have to tell you. In fact, Mary's busy all year long. You've really got to nail her down pretty early on. She, she needs a lot of notice. Of course, some of you were hoping for someone with a little more star, star power. Gabriel, I mean, you here on earth, you just love angels. I'll never get over it. But here I am, Elizabeth. I know, I'm more of a minor player, what you might consider in the Christmas story. 
but uh, we we got your uh, request form, your speaker request form that uh, Pastor Randall was it? Pastor Randall, yep, Pastor Randall sent in. And uh, he's a whiz with the computer. Uh, somehow he got it up to heaven and it got into the hands of our church uh, relations officer. And uh, when our church relations officer met with a bunch of us, he uh, listed uh, your requirements. Of course, you were looking for somebody who was free on a Thursday evening. And <laughs> I was free. And... Um, Let's see here. You were looking for somebody. Oh, there's a special request written in here. You were looking for somebody who could relate to the needs of this particular congregation. And uh, that's when I raised my hands again. He said that some in his congregation are feeling weary. Some are feeling even some angst, not at peace. Because some are so desiring to be gathering together again. There's distance. Well, I can't relate to the distance that you're going through exactly, a physical distance, but I can relate to a different kind of distance. It's a social distance. That's the kind of distance that I experienced. And, and I can tell you from my experience that this kind of distance, when you have it, well, there's no peace when you're experiencing distance. Well, my story, I was distant from my community because Zechariah and I had no children. I was well beyond childbearing age. There's no pitter-patter of feet uh, running through our, our home. No little ones asking us for helps with, with projects. No tending to boo-boos or consoling after a fall. No, we didn't have that. Our, our home was, was quiet. But because of that, I felt a distance. It was between me and other women, but other people in the community, because in my day, you'd call ancient times, back in ancient times, in the times of the Bible, if you didn't have children, well, then you were really socially set apart. Zechariah and I were considered to be righteous in our community. By righteous, I don't mean perfect, but we took God's word seriously. We obeyed his commandments. We did our best to follow him with hearts as pure as they could be. But still, God did not give us the blessing of children. And sometimes, I think some folks in our community didn't see us as blessed, but more as if we were cursed. So I do know what it's like to feel socially distant. And because of that distance, to not 
feel peace. Well, I lived in a community where I felt socially distant and I lived among a people who felt distant from God. Do you know what that's like? I felt socially distant, but I lived among a people who felt that they were distant from God, or some felt that God was distant from them. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> Randall said, you got the sheet right here, that it's been a tough year. He said, many of you are feeling distance. Not only distance from one another, but it's distance from, from God. And that creates a lack of Peace. Well, I lived in this time that you call the intertestamental period. Of course, we didn't call it then. It was just time. It was just another day. It was just our lifespan. But it was a time in which God was quiet. It's true. He seemed distant. He hadn't spoken in 400 years. I'm not kidding you. I mean, the what you call the Old Testament uh, closes, prophecy closes with the prophet Malachi. And after that, there were no prophets. God had not raised up any new prophets. None. So it was quite, and that's how we heard from God. God spoke through his prophets, but nothing. It was quiet. So many of us felt like God was distant. 400 years. But my people used that time. Coming back from Israel, we had a renewed enthusiasm for God's word, for his commandments, for his law. And that's when uh, Pharisees and scribes really began to teach. Synagogues cropped up all over Israel, uh, places of learning and study and, and worship. And there was a new fervor. It was a new fervor for the Messiah. I mean, people were excited about him. They were uh, thinking about him and waiting for him. They were expecting the Messiah, someone who would come, a son of David, and save us, save our people. Because God had been distant for too long. So, I think I can relate to some of you. I know what it feels like to be socially distant and how that just takes the peace right out of your heart. And I know what it's like to live in a culture, in a place, among people, in a community in which God feels distant. But I've got to tell you about the time when God shattered the distance. I mean, that's what I'm excited about. God shattering this distance and bringing peace when he did that. So it all started when my husband, Zechariah, when his, uh, his priestly uh, tribe was, was called up to serve at the temple. 
his division. So Zechariah was a priest. Uh, he, he wasn't the high priest. That spot was reserved for uh, one and one only in Israel. And uh, he wasn't a chief priest either. That was reserved for an exclusive group of about 200 men. And they lived right in Jerusalem and they took care of the temple treasury and the temple vessels. And so he wasn't a high priest. He wasn't a chief priest. He was what was called a, a common priest. He was one of about 7,200 common priests. And these common priests usually lived uh, around uh, Jerusalem, not right in the city, but about a day's walk from the city in the Judean hill country or in Jericho. So Zechariah's division was called up. And uh, his division, it was about 300 men in the time of David. Uh, David organized everything. Uh, everything was organized during his kingdom. And there were 24 divisions of about 300 men each. And Zechariah's division was called up. I mean, can you imagine the scene? 300 priests. I mean, it sounds like the beginning of a joke, doesn't it? You get 300 priests um, walking down, making their way down to Jerusalem for this changing of the guard. And you've got another 300 priests uh, coming back. So these roads were well-worn. They were well-traveled. And uh, Zechariah was older now, and it wasn't as easy for him to muster the energy that he had had when he was younger. And uh, we lived in the Judean hill country. It was about 1,600 feet above sea level, and he had to make his way down winding a, a path or rocky path and into the valley and then up to the temple mount well he reached the steps the southern gate the triple gate and zechariah removed his sandals as he entered the temple area with all of the other priests. They were given their lodgings and uh, they were told to meet at dawn in the chamber of hewn stone. So uh, they met all of these priests before dawn in the chamber of hewn stone. That's the place where the Sanhedrin met, uh, the Jewish high court. So the priests met and they would be given their duties for the week. Their service was a week long. He did it twice a year. And you never knew what you'd get because priestly duties were determined by lot. Luck. Luck of the draw. But anybody who knows a thing about lots knows that there are far more about the will of God. And there were many duties to be done, performed. I mean, there were uh, trimming of the candle wicks. There was constantly needed to be kept a fire burning under the altar of sacrifice, the burnt altar of sacrifice. There were priests that need to sacrifice animals. They serve like butchers. Priests major tool was the knife. There were musicians. There were priests who served as guards, policemen. Oh, it took 
scores and scores of priests, choirs, prayers, to run the temple. It was nothing like the way you worship today. So the smells of animals, uh, the, the, uh, the noise, the smells of incense, the crowds of people, the awe, the majesty. And then in some ways, so ordinary. Well, the most honorable duty for a priest, a common priest, was burning the incense the altar of incense, and offering up the prayers. It, it was the combination of four spices coming together as a fragrant offering up to God while the priest prayed. And this job, this duty, put you closer to the Holy of Holies than any other duty would ever place you. Right up against the curtain at the altar of incense. No other duty could get you closer except for the high priest who was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies once a year. But this was a job and most priests would never expect to, to have their uh, name drawn in their lifetime. But that day, the lot fell to Zechariah. <laughs> he was the lucky guy. He was the one chosen by God. So Zechariah entered and he began to offer incense and pray. And the people were outside praying. As they saw the smoke rising, they prayed and he prayed. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, standing at his right side, the right side of the altar of incense was an angel of the Lord. And this angel of the Lord called out to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. The Lord has heard your prayers. Wow. After all those years, did you believe that Zechariah was still Praying for a son. And that's when the angel told Zechariah the news. That we would have a baby. We were to call him John. Of course, Zechariah couldn't believe it. But his unbelief, well, the angel didn't like that. And Zechariah was unable to speak until our baby John was born. But when John was born, our whole community came around. And you know what they said? They said, God has shown her great mercy. And he had. And that distance that I had felt was gone. And that lack of peace that I had felt was gone. I felt peace. I felt proximity. God had 
shattered the distance. And then everybody in our community began to ask the question, what will he be? I mean, they knew the Lord's hand was upon this baby. What will he be? And that's when Zechariah sang and he prophesied. And it's written in your book, what Zechariah sang, what he shouted out. He said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. And Zechariah held John in his arms, swooped him out of my arms, grabbed him up in close and said, and you, my child, you will be called prophet. Prophet. We hadn't seen a prophet in 400 years. You will be called prophet of God most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Who, what will this child be? He would be the one who goes on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. In ancient times, when kings came into town, they would send messengers ahead of them uh, or servants ahead of them who would prepare the road. And by preparing the road, what they did was they removed obstacles from the road. So the king would have a clear path to where he was going, removing obstacles. And here, John will be the one who prepares the road, who is removing obstacles, who is getting people to see that sin is an obstacle that must be removed. John couldn't remove that obstacle, but he was getting people to understand that sin was in the way. Sin created distance between people and God. That's what John was doing. He was trying to show people that sin created distance between people and God, and it was an obstacle that needed to be removed. And only Jesus could remove that obstacle. Only Jesus. And that's God's tender mercy that gives us peace. God's tender mercy that gives us peace is that Jesus removes that obstacle. Our individual obstacles may look different, but you know as well as I know that those obstacles, that's sin in our lives. It takes away the peace and it creates 
distance between us and God. God shatters the distance in Jesus and he gives us peace. That's true for you. And that's all I came to say tonight. <laughs> Simply that, that God shatters the distance. That's his mercy and he gives us peace. So I hope you remember Jesus whom God used to shatter the distance. That's his tender mercy and that gives us true lasting peace.